Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 292. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I'm joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Charles Featherer. Hello, hello. You know, I'm I'm looking at this. This is this is episode. Is that number right? Two ninety two. Are we really coming and up on episode three hundred? We are coming up on episode three hundred, which means wow. I guess I'm a part of something special, and I have to figure out how to help you celebrate. Yeah, episode three hundred. I don't know. Like suddenly, I I realize that that's eight episodes. But since we only do it every. That's like 16 weeks, that's four months, so we got plenty of time to figure something out. But that's an actual, you know, that's a number that ends in two zeros, so it's got to be special. It has to be. It has to be. We'll have to do something with that. I I actually, uh, I'm not going to share anything yet, but I actually have an idea for that, at least a partial idea. So we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, then listeners, you get to find out in four months where I only have to wait like an hour, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so in tonight's episode, uh, this is a little bit of an audible, uh, it, into a topic because we had something else lined up, but it had to shift around. So we are going to be doing an episode on slow play. Yes, everyone's favorite online conference topic. I have not actually seen a conference hold a slow play seminar in a while. Really, and I miss I miss them because I think they're I think they are really really informative when they're when they're done right. They they were growing like weeds for a while. I guess now that uh, the lawn's been mowed, we're just that unsightly dandelion cropping back up in the middle of a uh, middle of your nicely manicured lawn. Oh, it's never not relevant, right? It, it's always there looming, but with any organized event, it's it's something that we need to be more aware of and more proactive about, yeah. I think. Yeah. All right. So, slow play or playing slowly. Okay, because it's more, it's more general. Slow play is a penalty in the infraction procedure guide, but playing slowly is more generically a problem, right? So, yes. what is playing slowly? In general, because we, we got to be, now keep in mind, there's a lot of subjectivity to this particular topic, okay? And a lot of arguments online. Yeah, we're going to go into, we'll give the specific examples that the IPG gives in, in a little bit. But basically, it's when one player goes into the tank for too long. Um, they're sitting there, they're trying to plan out their move, they're they're thinking through the game actions, and, and maybe they're uh, in a loop with their own thought process. What if I do this and the other player doesn't do that? And what happens next? Or they just don't know how to proceed and they've stalled. Yeah. Uh, and not using the word stalled in the formal sense, but they've stalled out. They're 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 a little um, uh, unable to move forward. Magic is a game played between two people. I realize that commander is a thing now, so people might be like, "Well, no, it's it's normally played with four. But in in a tournament type setting whether it's fnm or an scg con it's you know you've got two players there and it's really when one player is is just kind of taking up too much of the time in the round for inconsequential or trivial decisions or maybe they're important decisions but they're taking a disproportionate amount of time basically you're unintentionally stealing time from your opponent beyond what is reasonable for you to do the things that you want to do in the game right and it's not like the players arrive there by magic you know they, they oh they are playing magic but 
They didn't arrive at turn five with this terrible decision without some forewarning that that's where they were going. Um, they have been playing the game the whole time. Um, they've both been making decisions. They're both aware of the board states that are in front of them. And, and they shouldn't necessarily need to make um, or take a, a, an extended period of time to make a decision at this point. They should be aware of where they are. Yep. And everywhere that you're going to see it defined whether or talked about, whether it's the uh, JAR or the IPG or any sort of definition, you're going to see the word reasonable or the word reasonable negated with unreasonable. So a player takes a unreasonable amount of time. Players are expected to play at a reasonable rate. And you can see where the subjectivity creeps in because what does reasonable mean? Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that can't be set to a specific number in a bit. Yeah, generally speaking, it's just play, slow play or playing slowly is playing at an unreasonable rate. Now, so what do we do at these smaller events if we have a player that is playing slowly? You know, like an FNM. Well, at an FNM, we're probably uh, working under the regular rules enforcement level. Mm -hmm. And a uh, slow play uh, is not a... It's not something that generates a warning or anything like that, but it's considered a general unwanted behavior. Uh, it is something that we need to address. And the way that we can do that is we can uh, either just ask the players to play a little bit faster at the moment. And then if we need to, we can pull the player aside and we can talk to them about the importance of playing a little bit faster. It's in the same category as in inadequate shuffling, being late, that kind of stuff. And the goal of the general unwanted procedures is to educate the players who exhibit the behavior. And it's a little little touchy because if they're playing slowly, FNMs are about learning and trying to figure things out and having new players. But it's, you know, it's kind of a difficult conversation to have sometimes where you're like, hey, you're playing kind of slow. And at FNM, it typically takes on the, the characteristic of there's one dude because it's always a dude that is playing so slow their matches always go to time and players are complaining and they don't want to be paired up against this person right have, have you run into this situation before <laughs> um yes <laughs> yes you're yes. and hawing there you got yeah you got no 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 summons. there's no hemming and hawing about this one yeah yes and you have to have the difficult conversation, right? You need to pull the player aside sometimes and you need to talk to them about playing at a, a little bit faster pace, uh, being aware that they owe it to their opponent to play at a reasonable pace because it allows the game to progress and allows everybody to have a chance to win. Yeah, and this is this is at the store level, you're going to have potentially a hard time because since you don't have the infraction procedure guide necessarily to back you up. The only thing you've really got, you've got like a one sentence or a half sentence in the jar. You're really going to want to have the TO backing you up. That makes sense. Um, I had one situation. This was with an L1 who was working here in Orlando. There was a player who uh, at FNM just made everyone miserable because they played so slowly. And Everyone was kind of scared to talk to the person because he was friends, good friends, going back to college days with the owner. And right. one of the judges, now one at the time, squirreled up enough courage to address the issue. And it 
exploded. Like the guy went full on, do you know who I am? I will make sure that you never judge at this event again, kind of thing. Turns out he was wrong. Well, he was right, but for a different reason. Um, uh, uh, But he ended up not being able to come back and play in FNMs. Uh, because the store owner, when he found out that that's what happened, he was like, oh, God, I can't allow that kind of thing. No, you know. So a lot of times you can use that type of logic. Like this TO had the realizations after the blow up. But a lot of times if you're trying to get the TO on your side, you can explain those realizations. You know, for if they're if they're being reluctant, you can just say, look, you're showing favoritism. There's there's all these people don't want to play against this person. You are actively losing people because this person is playing slowly. Are they really, is their minor enjoyment worth all the problems that they're causing? Minor additional enjoyment. And, and we're talking about F&M. So there, there are some different types of players that can be at your event that can all uh, be uh, guilty of playing slowly. Um, there's the, the player who is very deliberate and is classified as a Johnny and wants to spend the time figuring out the best line of play. There are players who are brand new to magic who will be playing for the first time or or have only played a few times at the store and they may not know uh, all of the cards in the set and maybe sitting there reading and then rereading and then maybe reading them again because magic is complicated, but it still means that we have to, in these situations, we still do need to talk to these players uh, and try and get them to play a little bit faster and ask them how you can help them or give them tips if they if they are welcome to some form of advice, how yeah. to learn the cards better, how to be more comfortable, maybe get some reps in even in between rounds so they know their deck better. Um, different things that they can do to be more comfortable and uh, and to play at the expected reasonable pace of other players. I'm going to step on a section that we have a little bit later, but one of the things that I try uh, when when talking to someone is I say something along the lines of, come on, you know what you want to do, okay? You're just scared that you're going to do it, commit to it, and then you're going to see something better. But realistically, how often does that happen? You know... You know what you want to do. Wait, wait, to them or to me? No, to them. <laughs> because well, yeah. I always see it. I always see it three seconds after I sure, commit. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's confirmation bias, right? You don't right. see it the 20 times that you made the right call, but you do see it the one time that you don't. And right, what's right. important What's important in that particular situation <laughs> is by framing it as you know what the right play is, you know what you want to do, then you're taking the... Because a lot of players, when you say like, hey, you're playing slowly, they take it as you're calling me stupid. Yeah, and that's not what it is. Okay, I'm too stupid to play the game. So you you want to stay away from that kind of framing. So instead, I frame it as you know what the right situation is. Okay, you're just having a, a hard time committing because you're worried that you're going to see another problem. But you know, how often does that come up? Hardly ever. So just go for it, you know? That that kind of right. that kind of setup because you're framing it as a positive in that particular case. You know, you just push you just pushing the little baby bird out the nest, watching <laughs> them fly, as opposed to like, come on, come on, really make a, make a play already. But it is it is an unwanted it is an unwanted uh, thing in the jar. Now you do have the option 
with general unwanted behavior to game loss them if they keep dirtling. Oh, so I have an issue with that in general. Okay. What's your um, issue with that? Uh, I did a presentation just recently on the jar, and mm-hmm. I spent a long time delving into it and the philosophy behind it and how it works, even before I went up and I stood in front of people and I talked about it for an hour. Yeah. And my overwhelming conclusion is is that we really don't game loss much off of the jar, and I'm not sure that we need it. Um, I th- I think if we get to a point where a person's really problematic, okay, I think I th- and I know that there are different philosophies out there and different reasons for well, not necessarily different philosophies, but different thought processes. Mm-hmm. But I get to a certain point where when I look at it, I have never game lost anybody in the jar. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who has. Yeah, it's um, and okay. and I th- I think I think it's like a unicorn. We know it exists somewhere, maybe, but nobody's ever seen it. Well, okay, so here here is here is <laughs> I the stumped thing. them, everybody. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's it's the stick. Okay, you can say the next time this hap- this is this has become a problem. It has been a repeated problem. Okay. If you do this again, you get a game loss. Like I've already, it's like I already told you three times. So the next time we have this conversation, it's going to be a game loss. Now, generally speaking, when you get to drop that stick, they oh, this is this is for realsies. This is this is serious time. But so that that's what it's it's there so that judges don't just have to suck it up and deal with it every single time, and we have no course of action. Okay, yeah, it's our it's our safety valve. Now, in reality, are you gonna do it? Are you gonna have the conversation with them? You know, sure, you're gonna use your powers of persuasion, but you gotta have the well. What if they don't like? If this right here is player takes an unreasonable amount of time, and they can just every single match just do it and do it and do it and do it, and there's no consequences whatsoever, then. Then you have a play. You you tell a player hurry up, and the player goes. Well, what are you going to do about it? And and my counter argument there is is at that point in time, what's the difference between removing them from the event because it's a low stakes environment anyway, mm-hmm. and giving them the game loss? And I don't think the game loss is that big of a threat. I think at that point in time, it, I mm-hmm. think at that point in time, using a DQ is actually well removing them from the event, not necessarily DQ, but removing them from the event is actually the better play. I don't uh, know. It's something. It's something I've been giving a lot of thought about because I did do. Yeah, um, but but they're uh, not doing any of the serious problem stuff. Okay, no, now, you're now right. I, great, you're right, but they are creating a situation where other players are being affected regularly by their behavior. Sure, but it's not aggressive, violent, harassing, or abusive. I get it. Okay, that's just. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I'm just saying you're you're, stre- you're you're stretching the definition. I'd much rather have the lower stakes stick then then dq dq the player because sure. generally i find that like hey this is for real yeah can is is a good release stop. relief valve okay 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 so is it is it used a lot no hugs or yeah. hugs or dq is pretty much what it comes down to at regular but right. you've got a knob to turn in policy if you need it okay okay and right. I would use it for someone who's constantly playing slowly and you done told them enough and they're still not getting it. It's like, all right, you know, this is this is not a joke. This is for realsies. Right. But anyway, that's it regular. 
That's it regular. So so we have uh, the, the IPG entry, right? Yeah. So the IPG is, of course, the Infraction Procedure Guide. I try not to use acronyms without defining them at some point in time. Um, and there is a entry for slow play. And it reads along the lines of, the definition is, a player takes longer than is reasonably required to complete game actions. If a judge believes a player is intentionally playing slowly to take advantage of a time limit, the infraction is unsporting conduct stalling. It is also slow player, slow play if a player continues to execute a loop without being able to provide an exact number of iterations and the expected resulting game state. So that's a, that's a chunk of words. Let's just real quick, that last sentence about executing a loop. Okay. Yeah. We've got a whole nother podcast on loops and mm-hmm. loops can be a whole thing of itself. Basically, what this is talking about is one of those non-deterministic loops where, you know, if I execute this an infinite number of times, then I'm going to converge on a result that is desirable for me. Like anything that resolves on depends on like an arithmetic progression or like if you start bringing out like calculus and limits as X approaches infinity, stuff like that then that is going to be a situation where you cannot specify the exact number of iterations and the expected result in game state. Right. The the, uh, classic example here is the Four Horsemen deck. Mm -hmm. Go ask your parents. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically a deck where it's like, well, you know, I'm going to reach a certain game state. It might take me 10 iterations or it might take me 50 or 100 or 1,000 or I guess if I get really, really unlucky, you know, like 2 million. But I'm eventually going to get there. Anything like that, no. Keep doing that as, as slow play and you need, to, you need to stop and do something else. Okay, so that aside, we're going to put that in a box and say, okay, we've got an episode on loops. You can go listen right. to that because the policy hasn't changed in five years, six years. So let's go back to the main sentence. So the player takes longer than reasonably, and there's that word again, reasonably, required to complete game actions. So... What are we talking about here? What are what are game actions? Um, game okay. actions are everything from uh, playing a spell to playing land, uh, drawing a card, declaring right. combat, right? Uh, um, advancing, the, sp- advancing through the phases. Yeah, player casts a spell and you go hold on. I might want right. to counter that, and then right. you start and then thinking. You sit there and go into the tank for for yep. a minute. Yeah, yep. yep. Those are all game actions. Yep. Uh, some other from the actual examples. We have right. a player repeatedly reviews the opponent's great their opponent's graveyard without any significant change in the game state. Right. Okay. They review it once. Okay. They want to double check something. Okay. They go for that graveyard the third time without doing anything. Yeah, we 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 have an issue here. Yeah. And when it says without any significant change in the game state, casting a creature didn't significantly change that graveyard. No. Casting a ponder even though into the graveyard didn't significantly change that graveyard. And we're not talking about like two checks, right? Right. As I said, it's a lot. Yeah. You, you mill six, that is changing the graveyard. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you, and you, you, you can go back and, and look and see what you milled. That's, that's fine. Especially yeah. if the player just flips them over and just drops them on in a pile. Yep. All right. What else? Uh, player spends time writing down the contents. Oh, well, another game action. Um, player spends time writing down the contents of an opponent's library. Um, the card given as an example is Thought Hemorrhage. But essentially, you are not given the time to sit there and write a deck list. 
that's yeah. that's not advancing the game in any meaningfully meaningful way. And you should be able to look when you're looking at an opponent's library when executing a spell like that and get a fairly good idea of the information you need with a quick pass through. It does mm-hmm. not take a lot of time. Yep. All right. A uh, player takes an excessive amount of time to shuffle their decks between games. Okay. We're not in a game. So is that really a game action? So we used to actually allow up to three minutes to shuffle in sideboard. Uh, and yeah. what we, what's that? yeah and what we found was what (laughs) what we found was that people were using like two minutes and 59 seconds you know to to shuffle and present okay Uh, basically it was a legal form of stalling if i need to stall for three minutes i'm going to sideboard and shuffle And, and another example here is as a player gets up from their seat to look at standings or maybe go to the bathroom without permission of an official uh, by the way, an official is you. Uh, that's referencing a judge. Um, and these are just these are just examples. Uh, slow play is one of those things where they could be doing half a dozen different things instead of advancing the game state. A player could be sitting there and triple checking or quadruple checking their sideboard in between taking a game action. Uh, that's not listed in the examples, but that is certainly a case of slow play. Yeah. You just have to be watchful. Yeah. Although I'm not, I, players have generally gotten pretty good about asking to, uh, asking to go to the bathroom. At tournaments, yeah. At yeah. larger tournaments. And in, in stores, I'm not sure, you know, what they do is Yeah, as much. well, I mean, this is, this is I, I, IPG land. All right. So those are, those are the examples. Now, from a philosophical standpoint, so fun, funnily enough, uh, funnily enough is an word, um, <laughs> The philosophy of this is, again, all players have the responsibility to play quickly, okay? But, uh, uh, sorry, quickly in a way that their opponents are not at a significant disadvantage because of the time limit. Now, we do realize that some players' decks have a lot more moving moving components. You know, anything involving Nykthos at this particular point uh, seems to have a lot of things that you can do, okay? But this is, let's see here... Playing slowly, the difference between playing slowly and stalling is playing slow. Stalling is playing slowly to take advantage of the clock. That's not the same as gaining an advantage because you're playing slowly. There's an intentionality, okay? I can intend to be thoughtful in my decisions, but not intend to run the clock out. Okay, or I cannot realize that I'm I'm gone into the tank and I'm dirtling around and I'm just sitting there flicking cards. Okay, that's that's one of the main differences between between slow play and stalling. It's kind of the same action, but the intent is different. Okay, and because the intent is different, we actually say you know a comment of like, hey, I need you to play a little bit faster, is sometimes all that's needed. You know, or like I need you to make a play. Or can we advance the game state? Something along those lines. So, so a lot of times you might get like a a, a a little freebie. You might be able to slip a little freebie prompt in there. Um, are you required to do that though? The verbal missive. Please make a play, or I need you to play faster. Uh, yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. In fact, um, you really don't have to do that. It's an option that's given to you, but there's no underlying reason why you should feel that you have to use that instead of simply issuing the penalty for slow play. I think judges do rely on 
um, hey, please make a play player, or I need you to play faster uh, instead yes. of just instead of just issuing the penalty. And it may be better just to issue the penalty. So let's talk about the difference depending on the size of the event. If I am the only judge at an RCQ and I see a player and I give them that freebie prompt, hey, I need you to make a play, and I don't give a slow play penalty, then next round, if I'm watching that same player in turns, I already know that I done told them once. Okay, so now I'm going to just give the, the slow play penalty, the slow play warning. Okay, sure. Uh, at a larger event, a large multi-judge event, where it's not the same judge, if you just give them the prompt, hey, I need, I need you to make a play, and then next round, someone different is watching them, and they say, hey, I'm going to need you to make a play, and then next round, someone else is watching them, hey, I'm going to need you to make a play. That person has just kind of free rolled a bunch of slow play warnings. So yes. I I tend to hey I need you to make a play right before we have reached the point in time where I would be giving slow play. It's a warning shot. It is not a uh, I'm saying that be- before I have reached my point where I would be giving a slow play warning. You know. Right. It's set. It's setting like a. It's setting up like a five second count. Five second countdown timer. Um, but <laughs> and, and that's important too. Is is when when you do say that, um, you're going to say it hopefully before the player is actually making a play, and you're going to feel you could feel a little bit like you're interrupting the player. You're not interrupting the player. The player's probably already decided what they want to do in a lot of these cases. They just need the prompt to go ahead and do it. Yeah. Now, one one interesting thing about slow plays is there are times where you're watching a match and you have made the decision to give slow play. However, if you are to step in and give slow play at that exact point in time, you will distract the player. And then when you after you give the warning, they are going to go right back into the tank, right back to where where they got interrupted. And try and figure things out. And then if they make a misplay or something goes bad for you, they're going to be like, that's because the judge interrupted me. Destroyed my train of thought. So you can actually give the prompt, hey, I need you to make a play. And then after they do it, then you just like, and here's your slow play warning. Like the prompt was, I need you to do something to resolve the problem. And then once once they are out of the tank, here's your warning. That's fine. Sure. Okay. So you walk up. You walk up to a match, you probably want to get a sense of what's going on, you know, figure out whose turn it is, and and start getting a sense of the pace of play, right? Check the life totals, kind of check the various states of the game. Yeah, sometimes I'll shoulder surf off of one of the players, get a sense of of, uh, what they're playing, cards in hand, things like that, because that can also help me form a picture of what's going on at the table. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And and once I have that information, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll watch for a moment. Um, if things are moving along nicely, great. I'll, I'll still watch for a few more minutes to see if there's anything that pops up. But if, if things are progressing nicely and, and, and if I, what I'm trying to do is actively look for slow play in the, in the room, um, which I'm not necessarily, I'm not looking to target anybody and that needs to be said. Um, but if I'm looking for, to make sure that matches are proceeding at a regular pace, then if I see it's moving, I'll move on. But if it's not, I'll wait a moment or two, and and then I'll move in and I'll I'll ask a simple question: 
whose turn is it? Um, so I actually asked that question because sometimes, sometimes yeah. I don't know. There was a match. It was in I want to say like the top four or the the top eight or the top four. One of the players was on Jund. I just remember I'm sitting there watching, and I finally say, "Whose turn is it?" And both players point to their opponent. That's never a good sign. <laughs> they're just sitting there. They're both like just flicking their cards, flicking their cards. And I just get frustrated. I'm like, Who's, whose turn is it? Because I can't tell. And right. they just point to each other. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We've got a different problem to solve. But yeah, you want to you look at the board. An important part of actually assessing the slow play is to kind of understand the board complexities too. Because when we start talking about like how to recognize how to recognize slow play, uh, yeah. that's actually going to be part of the criteria that we use. Okay, what do we use to recognize slow play? We pull out our stopwatches and hit start. You know, oh, yeah, player absolutely. draws the card, you know, start. Right, right, right. We've, we've got our phone out and we've got the, the, the clock app and we're just sitting yeah. there and just watching it and watching them. And when it hits 45 seconds, we're going to pounce. Mm-hmm. No, no. And, and nowhere in any of the descriptions for slow play does it actually mention um time progressing in in such a way that it it's measured right and there's a very deliberate reason for that and that's because of the same reason that brian already talked about about the three minute shuffling deal if players knew that they had 50 seconds in between game actions to take and to use there are players out there that would have their phone face up looking at the timer and saying at 49 seconds okay and now i uh, bolt you for three you, you um, so just you can't have stalling. That. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't have that. So it's not measure time. Um, Brian mentioned looking at game states. Well, hang on. Before before we go to time, I've also seen people say, well, what if we changed it so that it's different amounts of time for different actions? Like, it's 10 seconds to play a land. Oh, my brain already hurts. 15 seconds to cast an instant. <laughs> okay. You thought lapsing triggers in 2012 was bad, like a list of things. Because now we're in a situation where I've drawn my card. All right, ten seconds have gone by. Does that mean if they if they're gonna play a land at fifteen seconds, we penalize them? But if they play an instant after fourteen seconds, they're fine. And if they play a creature, you know, it's just no. It's if you start having tiers of different times for different quantities of actions, you've just created something that's completely fabricated, impossible to learn, fabricated, and you kind of just get back to. Yeah, you just take a reasonable time to do stuff. Right? I'm having a flashback to to Letter Kenny and the one actor that sits there and says, "Hard no." It's not just a no; it's a hard no. Hard no. You know, pump yeah. the brakes on that. Put it right through the dashboard, please. Um, <laughs> or the windshield, rather. Yeah. Okay. So we now having time, like you, the judge, hitting hitting a timer on your on your timer might be okay for you to keep track of the passage of time or it might be good so that you actually have like some form of evidence because this is a very subjective penalty so you can be like no 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 man you took 50 seconds you know i've got evidence that's it's not great but if that's a crutch you feel that you need okay um okay so that's time what about game state a game state again as you mentioned is is the is the game state you know a mess do they have, you know, does each player have three or four or, or more creatures involved? Uh, are there, uh, is their mana open? Um, are there cards in hand? 
uh, is there somebody that's clearly the aggressor at the moment or are they or are they stalled and they're trying to figure out the best path forward? How complicated has it become? Yeah. We don't allow for complication to slow the game down. But at the same time, we have to be mindful of the fact that if you have a more complicated board state, it may take an extra moment or two to figure things out. Well, I'm going to challenge that a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, so complicated, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to carve out an exception case. Okay. But complicated board states don't just happen, asterisk. Okay. See, and I said this 15 minutes ago and I already fell into my own trap. Right. They I've, evol- I've fallen into my own trap. <laughs> you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. <laughs> Never get involved in a slow play warning when game states are on the line. All right. Right. Game states evolve slowly. It's a back and forth over, you know, new creature comes down, new permanent comes in, creature leaves the battlefield, and spell is played, enchantment gets destroyed, and it's a back and forth, okay? Drawing a card does not significantly change the board. It might give you some options. It might be you're out, and you didn't expect to draw it, but it was in your deck. All right. right. So complicated right. board states don't just happen, asterisk. Right. Okay. Now, if something insane happens where, you know, someone casts Warp World, that's kind of the classic example, or Scrambleverse or something like that, where everything changes, then, yeah, give them a little bit more time because you just basically did a core dump of everything that had happened up to that point, and now you threw a bunch of new stuff on the battlefield, and people got to take a few few moments to figure out what's going on now, right? I, I yeah, I, I think the important thing here when I when I when I think about it and when I when I go back on what I was saying um, is to figure out what the game state is, and if you can figure out what the game state is, um, and they're still sitting there shuffling uh, shuffling their cards in their hand and counting each other's libraries and and so forth um that's when we definitely need to move forward yeah that that's an indication so we're talking about a reasonable amount of time so when we're talking about how to recognize we said we can't use time we can't use the complex the complexity of the game state but we can use the complexity of the changes to the game state in terms of quantity Okay. But now we're saying like, okay, I've been sitting there watching the game state hasn't, you know, it's been just changing normally. I can't use time. How do I recognize that we're, we're in slow play? And there's two really good measures. And that's if you, the spectator are looking at the board and presumably you can see what's in one player's hand and you're able to figure out what the correct play is. Right. And then you're still sitting there waiting. Yep. That's probably a pretty good sign that, that, uh, that you should be given slow play. Sure, sure. Yeah. What's the other one? Oh, are you bored, Brian? I am bored. I want these people to make a play. You know what way to make them make a play? <laughs> Is if I tell them to make a play and then give them slow play, right? Sure, sure. So a classic example that we often hear shared back and forth between judges who are talking about slow play is, is have you become bored um, watching? And, and maybe it takes different people different amounts of time to become bored, but most magic players we want we want something to be happening we want to we want to be doing things we want to be slinging spells turning cards sideways etc and if you've walked up to a table and if you've had a chance to evaluate everything and you're at the point where you're watching the paint on the wall dry 
it's definitely time to move something forward. We just gave two very squishy criteria, just like, had, <laughs> did you figure out what the penalty, or did you figure out what the right play was, and are you bored? Yeah. And those are pretty subjective, right? Which the subjectiveness, there's some criteria, and the subjectiveness really plays into uh, slow play is a criminally under-penalized infraction. All right. Given the I'm amount not, of time, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm just sitting here listening to him. Let's 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 go, Brian. Come on, tell him, tell it. If you think as a player, the number of times that you have sat across from an opponent and you've been bored out of your mind to the number of times that you've given slow play as a judge, realistically, every event should probably have like one to two slow plays. I'm talking like RCQs and stuff like that. Like possibly it, even per judge. Yeah, but we don't. And that's kind of one of the things where if we started getting, if we started giving slow play out as often as it's actually deserved, there would probably be, end up having to be like some sort of policy change because we'd be game lossing people a lot. But judges as a whole tend to avoid giving slow play for two big reasons. Uh, one, it's pretty subjective. If I'm telling you that you're playing slowly, what criteria? How do you, how do you know I'm playing slowly? What, what gives you the right? I'm sitting here figuring this out. You can't you can't tell me I'm playing slowly. Well, that's I'm that's playing it. Second. I'm playing at the pace I already play. That's the confrontational aspect, which is the other the other aspect, which they're they're kind <laughs> of related, right? They are okay. related. They they if, go hand in hand. So if I have to give a penalty, okay, if it's a GRV, I can point at this is the thing you did. This is the rule that you broke. If I'm looking at missed triggers, I can do that. If it's a hidden card error, I can point to something. If I'm giving you a warning for slow play, I don't really have evidence other than just I felt that you took too long, right? And so because it's subjective and because you don't have like hard evidence, you're you're disagreeing over whether or not the amount of time was reasonable or not. It's a little it's you don't have your you don't have the ammo in your tool belt necessarily. So you know, you're, you're ne- necessarily going to gonna step up. Also, the second slow play warning is a game loss, which it means... It is. Why yeah. is it a game loss? What's that? Why is it a game loss? Because you Why, why can't we just have time? two warnings? Uh, okay, so the, the, the technical reason is because the IPG says so. Yes. It's a tournament error, it's two. But in reality, like, if you're playing, if you're playing so dirtily that you've had two judges tell you that you need to play, you need to hurry up and make a play you've pretty substantially been affecting some matches by taking up a lot of time. And we, yes. again, we need it to have teeth. But again, judges, especially at big events, if you step up and you give someone slow play, especially in some of the later rounds, you could be game lossing them on your opinion, right? And so judges, again, are super reluctant to give it, which is one of the what's, reasons what's why. The, what's the other reason judges are reluctant to give it? Because I can think of at least one more. What? Because they 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 don't want to get into the argument. No, no. I, it's because if you give somebody slow play, yeah, uh, especially at a tournament, expect to get appealed. Um, that that can happen. What what I and I was I was segueing into appeals. What I, what I was going to say about okay. it is is judges are so reluctant to give slow play that if you do get appealed on a slow play. I don't believe I've I've only one time heard of a slow play ruling being overturned because head judges know that you're so 
unlikely to give the slow play that if you actually gave it, it had to be pretty egregious, right? But, yeah, yeah players can appeal uh, slow play. Do we want to... I I do want to talk about one nature, one aspect of appeals, but I don't want to do that quite yet. Okay. Like the, the instructing the players to keep playing thing? Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Um, I think they're reluctant because it is a confrontational penalty by nature. Judges, by our very nature, collectively, are hate being confrontational. And when you stop a player and give them slow play, you're setting up a confrontation. Yes. The reason is is because of the subjectivity of slow play, right? Yeah. Um, players will tend to want to... Uh, argue or sway or talk through the issue with you. Um, you need to be ready and be firm in your evaluation. Sometimes players, when they go into the tank, they don't, they just don't realize how much time has passed. Um, because a fun, a fun exercise is this, have somebody close their eyes, pull out a stopwatch, um, set the timer for one minute and, and tell them that you're going to hit the button in a moment and when you hit the button, you're going to give them one minute to tell you that it's been a minute. You hit the button, you get them to start, and you ask them to stop you when they hit the minute in their brain, right? No one can hit the minute. Uh, they're either slow, they're either fast. Sometimes they're fast by two minutes. Sometimes they're, <laughs> sometimes they're you know, uh, we'll tell you that 40 seconds in, it's been a minute. If you are just trying to keep time without using a timekeeping device, you just don't know how long it's been. And the more you're thinking about what you're doing instead of thinking about time, the less you're actually aware of how much time is progressing. Now, now someone who's genuinely not aware can be good natured. It can be good natured. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, and that kind of thing. But there are people that feel entitled to the time. This is an important play. This is an right. important turn. This is an important decision. So I should be entitled to this time. No, no, you ain't. You're allowed to play at a reasonable pace. You are not allowed to play at an unreasonable place. Please go ahead and make an action. And don't right. let them argue. I need you to make a play. Okay? But yeah, there are a lot of a lot of players that feel entitled because or this is the last play of the game. Like if I can win if I can do the right thing here, the game's over. Doesn't matter. And you know, like like realistically, like real world, okay, if if that's really the situation where where in the next ten seconds or the next the next two actions of the game the game is going to be decided okay sure you can like give them an extra 10 seconds or whatever just just from a reality standpoint okay but because ultimately if the match is going to be over you're not stealing time from anyone but in general this being an important play doesn't matter doesn't factor into the equation because everybody thinks their play is the most important right whether or not you crack that land in, in turn one or turn two in, in modern is is an important decision. Doesn't mean that you need to take 40 seconds to figure it out. Yeah. And so you want to give the slow play, uh, you, you want to make the slow play warning as quick as possible. Because you are, the amount of time that you stopped the players to talk, talk to them, you're going to need to give them time, that time back. Okay, but so you don't want to spend a lot of time arguing with a player because that equates to just more time. I just remember I had one situation where a player wanted my badge number. And I was just like, <laughs> by what number? I was like, give me my DCI number. Sure, 
tell wizards what are they gonna what are they, yeah here you go yeah take my badge number but dealing again dealing with the confrontational players uh it is best to be firm you can tell them that you know if they need if they want if they want to talk to you after the match you can explain things more fully but you need to get them playing and they need to make the decision and that's kind of one of the things where you want to since slow play is going to potentially be an argument you don't want that argument to occur in the middle of a decision because when that argument's over sorry when that discussion's over they're going to go right back and then now they're probably also on tilt and they're just going to tank harder and what are you going to do at that point give them another game give them another warning that upgrades to a game loss like so you want to choose when you strike to minimize the the damage also the player's probably going to blame you uh, if they if they don't win, because if they had just had more time to figure out how to how to win, then they would have won. No, oh, there there are players out there that'll blame you know the glare on the on the uh, sleeves that they were playing against. They'll blame you know somebody oh, was sure, standing sure. too close to them. Players find find different ways to excuse play. Oh yeah. So you you can't you, you'll hear it, but but please don't be affected by it. Yeah, it ain't your fault. Right. You know, because if they if they tanked for 30 seconds uh, and then you step in and they 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 go back into the tank again and they make a play, they weren't going to figure it out. They'd already had enough time. (laughs) So. So, yeah. So that is one of the reasons why it is a a criminally under penalized infraction. All right. Right. So when we do give the infraction, um, what happens Uh, if we give it um, specifically if we give it at the. Mm -hmm. During regulation time, yep. Um, if the match goes to time, players get the five turns plus two. Yeah, we go from five additional turns to seven, and the same rules for for extra turn stuff. Right, and the but reason, if, yeah, go on. Yeah, but if the round has, do you want to do the reason first? Yeah, go ahead and do the reason. Sure. First, the, the reason why we don't give them more time is because you don't reward someone who's taking too much time to make decisions with more time to make decisions like there there you go just makes sense and then if we're actually in turns they don't get additional turns at that point because the time has already been taken from the match um, and we're in turns and the turns need to be resolved so so if they get slow play after the round has ended okay just keep going yeah yeah you ain't you ain't taking time off the clock you know it's already it's already stopped so right and and judges and and I know we don't have this in the notes, but I'm just thinking about this. Sure. Don't be any more afraid to give slow play, or, or don't be any more reticent to give slow play if we've gone to turns. You still have to advance the game states. You still have to get players to play at a reasonable pace. Going to turns doesn't mean that you get indefinite time. And we need to turn the we need to turn that round. And gosh, yes. Also, in top eights that are untimed, you can still get slow play. Like. Playing slowly, yes, it eats up the clock, but it's also holding up when the venue can close, when those uh, people behind the counter get to get off the clock. Um, it's it's a lot of you know when you're in the untimed portions of the of the tournament, playing slowly can be a problem. Yeah, judge staff has already put in six or eight hours already, and they're looking ahead at another two or three. Needs right. need to wrap things up. Yeah. All right. So. Um, what's one of the special things about appeals? Uh, number, the number one thing that I'm aware of is that 
if a player tells you that they want to appeal the decision of slow play, uh, is that you need to make sure that the players keep playing while you go get your head judge. Mm-hmm. They don't get to have more time added to the round just because they're appealing. Yeah. Now, what's what's interesting is is in the definition of stalling, which is intentionally playing slowly in order to take advantage of the time limit, one of the examples is the player playing slowly appeals a warning in an attempt to gain an advantage by having more time to make a decision. Okay. Right. So this is this is one of the the interesting things where intent matters. So if someone tries to if someone tries to appeal not because they disagree with the ruling but because they want an extra minute or two to figure things out or five because it's an appeal it'd be like an extra 5 minutes okay if they're doing it for the extra time that's stalling if they're doing it because you th- they think you're wrong and they want to argue okay that's fine it, i mean it's 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 not stalling it's not fine but it's it's not stalling okay that's the distinction. So you tell them to continue playing to eliminate that particular avenue. And if you tell them to continue playing and then they come back and you come back with the head judge and they stopped because the appealing player was just like, no, wouldn't let him continue. And you might actually be looking at a stalling situation. Right. So, yes. But that is uh, just on my quick Rolodex of, of checking penalties, which is not a very rigorous check, is like, that's one of the... the you that I can think of where you actually tell the players to keep playing instead of uh, pausing, pausing and going and getting a head judge. Yeah, I think it's the only one, right? Maybe like USC minor, you might have them keep playing while you go while you go get the head judge, you know, something like that. But this this one, it's very important. Keep playing. to keep them playing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now we said slow play was criminally under penalized. Yes. But there is there is kind of like a weird uh, uh, curve for the events as to when most slow pay penalties are given. Oh, really? So when do they happen, Brian? And and I, I'll tell you I'll tell you why after you tell me when they happen. Okay, uh, <laughs> like the last five minutes of the tournament, or the, not oh, the tournament of the round of, of a round. Yeah, and, and I know why. It's because that? that's when that's when all the judges have been sent out to sit on on matches that haven't finished. So we are assigned to watch Magic directly, and we are assigned to watch particular games at that point in time. So we tend to see it more at that point. It's also kind of self-selecting in the sense that the matches that aren't finished yet have a higher probability of people kind of taking time to figure things out just because we're, you know, all the people Uh, that finished, like the matches that finished in 30 minutes, we're not necessarily worried about them, right? But the matches that have been going on for a while, so the players are are predisposed. They've gone on for a for a hot minute or forty five of them, okay. And we are sending a judge out to go hover on that match specifically. And there's there's a a, a clock accounting down, and like people are uh, and the judges are very concerned about the time, so they're watching very focused on slow play. Makes sense to me, but. Is that when slow play actually happens? Like, like we give slow play at the end of round more than we do at the beginning of the round, but does that mean that slow play is more likely to occur at the end of round? Uh, slow play is more likely to occur all the time. Yeah. It, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to when it happens. Um, it does seem to tend to happen when the board has a little bit more going on. Um, 
or if a player is presented with a maybe a more complicated choice. And that can happen anytime. Yep. All right. So, uh, so in case we haven't said it, the penalty the penalty for slow play is a warning, right? Wag yeah. the finger. Don't do that again. And because it's tournament error, it gets upgraded on the second occurrence to a game loss. So make sure you're explaining to the players, hey, uh, you're receiving a warning for slow play. If it happens again, you will receive a game loss. Yep. And that is, especially if you are at an RCQ, okay, be very sure to understand that because if that player, especially especially if it's a player at like one of the top tables, like going into the top eight, because you're going to be during that, you know, the top eight, you're going to kind of be watching every match go at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So just uh, definitely, definitely, definitely communicate that. Um, and since we don't have slips anymore, we can't just check the back of the slip to see if they've already got like slow play earlier in the round kind of thing. So be sure to ask, have you received a slow play warning previously in this event? If you, if you don't, if you aren't right. the only judge at the event. Right. Um, I, I think an interesting thing with slow plays is that it's, and, and because different people listen to this podcast, not just judges, um, it's important to note that players can help us identify slow play. Um, it's no different than a GRV or a missed trigger. If you're sitting in a match and your opponent is just taking forever, it's been a little bit of time since they lasted a game action, feel free to call a judge. But don't just sit there and look at the judge and say, my opponent's playing slowly. I mean, that's a tact that you can use, sure. But the best thing to do in a case like that is to say, hey, judge, I have a question about a card in my hand and stand up from the table um, walk away with the judge for a moment and explain, hey, my opponent's playing a little bit slowly. Can you please watch my match for a few minutes? Now, the judge is not obligated to stay there indefinitely until they catch your opponents playing slowly. Um, and sometimes the mere presence of a judge will cause players to play a little bit faster. But so long as the judge does not have anything else obligating them at the time, and so long as they don't have a call that happens nearby within a few minutes, they'll, they can sit there and watch the rate of play. And if they determine that slow play is happening, they can do something about it at that point. So you as a player can be effective in helping to affect change and helping to make sure that slow play is being called. So I'm going to add two, at least two caveats to that. Excellent. Love caveats. Uh, Caveat the first. They're very tasty. They're they're little fish eggs. They go on a a cracker. Uh, Caveat, not caviar. Ah, ah. I have actually been called to a table to watch opponent for slow play and given the player who called me slow play after sitting there and watching for a a bit i've heard this story i think yeah i mean it's it's a common judge story it it can happen it 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 can can. so so as a player okay if you are calling a judge over to watch for slow play make sure that you're also not slow playing because again we established that you you might not be aware of how much time you're you're taking up the second thing is i am not it's going to take some definite evidence to give the player slow play that I have not observed. Like if you call me over and no, say, no, yeah, my that's opponent what I mean. Has... Yeah. That's what I meant is, is that the judge sits there and watches the match because the right. judge isn't going to just sit there and issue slow play based on, based on the players. Un- unlike a GRV, you know, the player can call a judge and say, Hey, this is a thing that happened. And the players mm-hmm. are both going to agree. Right. Okay. But Again, slow play is is subjective. So the judge isn't going to give your slow uh, opponent slow play 
because you said so. Okay, we're going to watch if we can, depending on the size of the event. Um, you can ask away from the table or you can take the passive aggressive route and just call the judge over and ask him to watch the match for slow play while you're sitting there. And generally, and and I've seen it happen. Yeah. And generally that's (laughs) a thing where the player has gotten frustrated because they've asked their opponent to play a little bit faster. Yes. Okay. And that might also be some sort of tip off to watch because if the opponent is feeling that the player is playing slowly on purpose like a question that you might want to ask in this particular situation is you want to find out what the record is is it 1-1 and they're in game three is the player who's playing slowly up a game has there been a change in their pace of play you know is there five minutes left in round and you just haven't been assigned a table yet yeah uh well wait what um is it five where are we in the round if it's if they're playing slowly, if we're at the end of the round, are we in game okay. two? Are we yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of a situation do we have? All right. So that's most mostly slow play. Now, one of the one of the things is someone occasionally, about every year or three, decides that they're gonna fix slow play. And they go, <laughs> We should set hard time limits on these things 30 seconds 15 seconds and we say no you can't do that because if you allow 20 29 30 seconds for a thing the player takes 29 seconds to make a decision and you've just legalized stalling so we cannot do that and then they go fine we can just solve that problem by what instituting chess clocks instituting dear chess dear, clocks. dear listener dear listener i just felt a twinge go up my back <laughs> okay go um, for it all right. And and I'm going to, in a way, also defer because this information was originally puzzled out and figured out by by none other than than Ricky Hayashi. Um, and he wrote a great blog piece on it. But there are problems with chess clocks. Um, there are a multitude of problems from the physical, how much it costs to maintain them, how many you need to get, the maintenance of chess clocks to the practical when do you hit the button how many times do you hit the button in a turn did the person actually hit the button or did they forget to hit the button when they pass priority um how are chess clocks used against the rest of the event okay well we're using chess clocks over here and we're using them correctly but somebody over there didn't there are so many practical issues with using chess clocks and it has to do with the nature of the game when you use chess clocks for chess, your turn is a single action. You take the action, you hit the button, it's your opponent's turn. When you're playing magic, it's a series of actions on a turn, and both players are responsible for taking steps. So, yeah. so let's, let's think are, of this yeah. not even from a player awful. perspective, yeah. from a judge perspective. Uh, let's say... I don't want to reset a chess, chess clock. <laughs> what? I don't want to reset the chess clock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from a, from a, from a tournament perspective, you've got a forty-person event. After a few rounds, you've got some players dropping. You're going to have to go and collect those chess clocks and get them off the table. You know, for the matches that no longer exist, where you store those chess clocks, they're kind of big, right? Yeah, you just like walk table numbers, with a carton, a carton, and you, you do that. Yeah, there's also the possibility that some of those chess clocks are going to go missing because. It's kind of cooler than a table tent with 69 on it. Especially if um, it has that planeswalker symbol on the back of it. 
I mean, if they if they made, I mean, it has to be marketed, right? It has to be licensed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, after each round, yes, you are correct that someone's going to have to run through and reset all the chess clocks. Um, you know, and what if it doesn't get what if it doesn't get reset? How are you going to handle a call where where you come down and someone's about running out of time and they're like, "We think we didn't reset it at the beginning of the match." Yeah, yeah. What do you do then? Yeah. Look, and chess like, clocks are cool and all, but they're not the solution. It it's become popular because Arena kind of uses a a, a pseudo chess clock. You know, the the the, the rope down timer, the yeah. rope. Yeah. Okay. That that you can't make that physical. So yep, chess clocks, chess clocks. <laughs> yeah, and and one of the other things, like if you're if you're resolving a complicated case, like Warp World, okay, where twenty permanents get on the battlefield and both players are kind of doing something at the same time. Whose time is that? I I just think about the, a stack battle where you've got you know you play something, your opponent counters. You counter it. Uh, the opponent decides to do something else. Each one of those changes their their time being used by each player. Are you going to just bang, 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 bang? Hit the chess clock as as you as you pass priority back and forth and play spells on top of each other on a stack. It's just the whole concept is a little bit ridiculous when you break it down and you really think about it. On the surface, it sounds lovely. Yeah, and one of the other things is if you. If you say like, "Hey, a magic uh, a match is fifty minutes, and every each player gets twenty five minutes," what's going to happen if there's five minutes left in the round and I still have six minutes on my clock? Yeah, I I just I just what love this then? concept. I love it. I love it. Let's just let's just you know go out to SEG and 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 NRG and and uh, and uh, pastimes and just buy them all chess clocks. Yeah. So <laughs> so anytime you run it, so judges anytime that you run into a problem. Uh, with with slow play and someone you know presents well why not chess clocks just kind of chuckle quietly to yourself that that's a person that hasn't really thought that that doesn't think things through very well they just say words yeah confidently and expect people (laughs) to think that they're correct you know like we've been doing this entire podcast just say words. we know stuff and things hey so (laughs) anywho is that that pretty much covers it, I think. I, I, I think we have played as slowly as we possibly can. Oh, yeah. If we keep this podcast going, we're definitely stalling. Definitely stalling. <laughs> so, all right. That's our episode. Join us next time when we do, I promise, talk about large event customer service. Until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at JudgeCast. Until then, I'm Charles Feather, and I keep it fair. I'm Brian Perlman, and I take five minutes to shuffle and present. Awesome. And then get indignant that you called me on slow play. <laughs> I lay an egg. I get so mad. I just lay an egg right in the middle of the tournament. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? Uh, Give me USC minor for excessive trash. I dare you. I'll lay another egg. (laughs) I'm going to send you a picture.